Welcome to the Arise Church Podcast, where we exist so that way you can experience God. If you like this content, would you consider subscribing and joining our online community? That way you can get notified on each week's messages. With that being said, we pray that this message encourages you and inspires you to take one step closer to Jesus. Man, good to see each and every one of you. Uh, If you're new to our church, my name is Brent. I get the privilege of being your lead pastor, and we're going to continue to experience God together today. And if you are familiar with our church, if you've been coming for a little while, then you know my very next line is, let's celebrate. I say the same stuff like the first 20 seconds of every message. And, uh, but today is the day that we get to not just celebrate a little bit, we get to celebrate a lot, right? Today is that day. It's a little bit of family talk where we talk about uh, what's going on in our church to our church family. But if you're here as a guest, you probably will love it today too because you get behind the scenes kind of uh, uh, visual of what's happening at our church. And so we call it the state of the church address. And this is the church service that if you don't leave with your hands hurting from banging them together in applause, then you, then I haven't done my job or I haven't presented this correctly. Because here's the thing. God did amazing things in our church last year. Amazing things. See, you're already clapping and you don't even know what those things are yet. See, you're already getting warmed up for that. And so today we're going to spend about half of this message talking about what God did in our church last year, and then we're going to look forward to what God's going to do in 2023 and some vision and some themes of what uh, we're expecting God to do. So let's start right off the bat with the most important thing. Check this out. I just love this because this is why we exist is to make disciples and to lead people to Christ. And um, last year in our church, we had 1,186 people make decisions for Christ. Come on now. Come on now. Yes. Man, that's lives that are changed. Each number has a name and every name matters to God. That's lives that are changed. That's 3.24 per day. I've always been intrigued by Acts chapter 2 and the day of Pentecost happens and you see the picture of the early church and it says that the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That's one of my personal goals to always have at least 365 people per year making decisions for Christ so that we can be in agreement with that and say the Lord added to our number daily. We have well more than that, so we're averaging 3.25 per day making decisions for Christ. Yeah. Love that. Just to break it down a little bit, about 538 of those were in Arise services of some sort. The other 648 were in what I call direct missions. So it's missions trips and things that we've taken with our people, missions teams. It's not like our missionaries doing it. It's us uh, working in missions. So love that. Uh, Because of that, our church has grown a little more than 20% last year. It continues to grow, continues to thrive. Come on. We, we love that. Uh, last year, we had 103 people baptized in water, going public with their faith. Yeah. Love, love that. That's an average of two a week, basically. Uh, last year, and this is uh, one of my favorites because it shows that God's presence is with us. Last year, last year, we had 70 people experience physical healing in our church. Yeah. See, some of you aren't clapping because it wasn't you. If it was you, you're clapping right now. If it was your mama, if it was your daughter, if it was your, come on, that. 70 people, love that, love that. That's 1.35 per week. Um, Another favorite of mine, we had uh, 138 people experience deliverance from some type of demonic thing last year. Yeah, 
demonized or oppressed. Uh, I love that, love that, love that. Uh, I really believe that part of the revival that God's doing, revival to me really means alignment with what God is doing. And part of the alignment that's happening across America right now is people are rediscovering uh, deliverance ministry. And it's not weird, it's not wacky, it's not crazy. It's simply putting the devil in his place, which is not in your place. Come on. <laughs> Sometimes you got to evict the devil. Which, just for the record, we kind of randomly found some pictures that we thought kind of represented things, but Brandon's right there. That wasn't, Brandon, that's not, that's just them praying for each other. <laughs> oh, we had 131 people baptized in the Holy Spirit last year with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Yeah. That's roughly two and a half per week of people being baptized in the Holy Spirit in our church. I love that because... To us, it's not just about the, the healing of your physical body. We want the healing of your spirits, which is part of the deliverance. It's part of the inner healing that goes on. It's, it's the baptism of the Holy Spirit that we want you to not only get saved, but to be filled with the Holy Spirit and kicking the devil's butt. Come on. I know too many Christians who are saved, but the devil's kicking their butt. We want you to be full of the Holy Spirit. We want you to be sozo, well-rounded, which leads right into our sozo ministry, which is an inner healing ministry. And we had 99 people go through sozo ministry last year. Yeah. That's a beautiful thing, and you can't always quantify sozo ministry. Oftentimes, it's an inner healing, so there's a release of a burden or a heaviness that's released off of them. Sometimes, it's people can forgive for the first time. I especially love this about the 99 number, is that this last year, we started sozos for kids for the first time, and 17 of that 99 were children who went through sozo ministry. Yeah. I'm just tired of working with jacked up adults. If we can help you out when you're still young, we can, come on, come on, somebody. (laughs) You're like, man, I wish somebody had told me this stuff when I was a kid. So, yeah. Uh, We had 78 people go through Healing House last year in our church and walk through those steps. Yep. That time of extended prayer for healing, that's where some of the healings in that other list came from. Uh, We had 258 people go through our Next Steps experience. That's the church growth that you've seen right there. That's somewhere in the ballpark. I don't know the exact number. That's about how much our church grew over the last year, too, by the way, because that's the people coming into our Next Steps experience and committing and being a part of our our church. The very next step after that is they get involved. We had 1,310 people join a group last year. Yeah. All you people watching online, you should celebrate this uh, because last year with our online views just between Facebook and YouTube, we had 68,122 online views. Yeah. We welcome all of you watching us online, by the way. Make sure you share this and hit like and love and all that. That's your way of clapping. You got to hit all those like buttons or whatever it gives you wherever you're watching. Uh, This is one of my favorites uh, because this is our heart as a church. We want to be a church that's a missions-giving church, and it's not just about us. It's about the world. We refer to this as legacy. If you grew up in church, you might call it missions. It's a little different than missions, but in general, it's missions. But we call it legacy uh, because this is the mark we're leaving on the planet Earth. And uh, we gave away last year $334,648.36 that's not listed. Yeah. I, 
I particularly love that number because that number is $130,000 more than the previous year. That's a big jump. That's a big jump. And that's you. That's your giving. Which, by the way, all of this, I probably should have said this in the beginning, but all of this is celebration of what you are doing with the Lord's help here at Arise. You are worthy of honor because you're a part of every one of these wins that we celebrate. It's, you're, you're a big part of that. And lest you get a big head, we're going to give God all the praise and the glory for it, but recognizing that you're a part of it. Yeah. Amen. Uh, on, uh, besides that, with uh, benevolence giving, we, we simply believe in our church that we should be helping people inside of our church that go through hard times. And uh, I have frequently said that, that the modern-day widow is the single mom, and so we especially have a heart for single moms and trying to do the best we can to help them if they're a part of our church. We believe in giving a hand up, not a hand out. And so there's a whole committee that our benevolence goes through. But many people in this room have been affected by our benevolence giving. And they've reached out. And, and it's a, obviously a private matter. And, and, uh, but they've reached out. And we've been able to help with rent or car payments or things like that. And last year, we gave away $42,865 in benevolence. Yeah. That's awesome. That's you helping your fellow man in this room. And you may not know them, and that's okay. That's you helping one another. That's what the church should be about. Amen? Amen. And so that's you helping them. That's your benevolence giving. ASOM can, continues to do well. We have about 20 students right now in our Rise School of Ministry. Yeah? By the way, we were just pulling pictures that kind of represented stuff. These are not actual ASOM students, because some teenager is going to come to me afterwards and go, it's just prophetic. You should be an ASOM student. We have about 20 ASOM students right now. And last year, we had over 400 people volunteer in our church. Many of you in this room, come on, put your hands together for yourselves. <coughs> yeah. Now, five years ago, this is unique because five years ago, we started an initiative to get so involved in our community that it would hurt if we weren't here. Some of y'all remember that. We called it Operation Proliferation. I'm still not sure if I like that title or not. I thought it was a catchy title at the beginning. The more we've heard it, we all start hating it, but whatever. We wanted to proliferate ourselves inside of this community and get so involved that it would hurt if we weren't here. And, uh, uh, and so that was five years ago, and it was a five-year plan. And I'm so pleased to be able to tell you that it worked. It has worked. That over the last five years, Pastor Tina has head this up, and she's done such a fact. Go ahead and put your hands together for Pastor Tina. She's done such a great job of this. I had a dream five years, a literal dream, not like, a, like Martin Luther King, I had a dream, like I had a literal dream uh, five years ago. And in the dream, uh, uh, the, the government wanted to shut down our church, but the community around the church rose up and said, no, you can't shut down the church. We need that church. And I said, all right, we got to get so involved in this community that if the government ever wanted to shut us down, that the local community would go, no, we need them. You can't shut them down. We need them. That's where this started from. And over the course of these last five years, we have gotten involved in this community everywhere you can think of, from the, from the lowest places of, of helping the poor and impo impoverished to the highest places of working with the politicians and the government leaders. Uh, it's not just the easy things. We've worked with uh, community ministries like Echo and Choices and Hope for Her and Miracles Outreach and Angel Foundation. Uh, Pastor Tina actually leads Leadership Brandon right now, which raises up uh, the, the next leaders inside of Brandon, business owners, nonprofit owners, business um, leaders uh, within the community, politicians. Uh, she helps raise them up right now through the ministries of our our church. Uh, we have literally been 
intricately involved in the Chamber of Commerce, which you might think, what's the big deal about that? That is kind of like the, uh, the, the political structure of our community because uh, we're not a municipality. We're not a city. And so the Chamber of Commerce ends up making decisions that a lot of times the mayor or uh, local leaders like that would make. And so we've been heavily involved with that uh, to an extreme degree. In fact, I don't know if I should say this on video or not, but Pastor Tina's here, so I'm just going to say it and they got to cut it out later. They can. But the Chamber of Commerce still prays to start their meetings because of our influence through Pastor Tina. Is that a true statement? When, when they're about ready to, to take out prayer and say, we don't need this anymore, and Pastor Tina's like, you're, you're keeping prayer, I'm leaving. And they're like, well, we need you, so we're keeping prayer. <laughs> but we become the pastor, pastoral care arm of Brandon Hospital, which I know has a new name, but you all know it as Brandon Hospital. Uh, we work with Brandon High School in many of the local schools in the area and so many other things that I could mention that I don't have time to mention right now. But we are involved from the highest level of working with the local politicians. Every one of our local community leaders know us and know us well at this point, all the way down to helping the poor and impoverished and are so plugged in. And so it's not over by any means, but this is a moment where we can, we, we've kind of sown the, the soil, so to speak, and planted the seeds. And now we are simply just keeping it going, what God has been doing over the last five years. And so excited to be a part of a church that, that the community would miss if the church wasn't here. Uh, on top of that, I work with local churches all the time and help other churches revitalize and grow. And I spend a significant amount of my time trying to sow into other churches because I believe believe that the America needs the church, not just a church, right? And so uh, I spend a significant amount of my time helping them. So there's so much more that we could talk about. Uh, but at the end of the day, Arise has become a, a lighthouse in this community. And Pastor Tina could tell you, there's local politicians that when they're struggling, they call us. When they want prayer, they call us. Uh, there's some that attend our church now or are attending our church. There, there's one that I won't say his name, but he keeps attending and he's going to get saved. He keeps showing up and I'm just believing he's going to get saved. It's going to be awesome when he does. And so we've seen this over and over. And, 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 I, and I said it this way in that slide a second ago. I said, Operation Proliferation worked. Well, how do you know it worked? Well, well, I, I think sometimes God gives us like a little kiss just to go, hey, you're on track. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, like it's not like, you know, it's just kind of cool. Well, uh, a few months ago, uh, it's probably been four months, five months ago now, I don't know. Uh, I got this kind of strange email and then phone call uh, from an organization that's led or associated with uh, the actor Dennis Quaid. Y'all know Dennis Quaid? Put that slide up just for his face. Uh, it's, it's called The Viewpoint with Dennis Quaid. The Viewpoint with Dennis Quaid, you know, Dennis Quaid is a Christian, by the way. And The Viewpoint with Dennis Quaid, uh, he makes these little documentaries and docu, uh, docudrama kind of things, uh, kind of like commercials, but longer. They're up to seven minutes. And he makes these, and he finds organizations and businesses that are leading inside of their industry and then finds what they're leading in and something in that industry and that organization that should be emulated by other organizations in that industry. And he emphasizes that. And they've done things like Southwest Airlines. I think Godiva Chocolate. They've done uh, University of Notre Dame. There's literally, it's a who's who of who they have worked with with the viewpoint. And, uh, and so they've done all of these, but they had never done a church. And I guess Dennis Quaid realized and, and kind of looking around said, hey, the church kind of has a bad rap inside of the world a lot of times and people don't like the church. And Dennis Quaid says, hey, let's find a church that's doing something in the community that should be emulated by other churches. And so they looked around and we were one of the churches they called and we went through a little process with them and interviewing with them uh, as well as I think other churches did the same thing. And we were selected to be on the viewpoint with Dennis Quaid. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. 
In fact, it's later this month, they'll be around filming. I don't know if they'll be here on a Sunday or not, but they'll be filming some of the community stuff that we do, some of the things we're involved in. And then later on in this year, you'll see us, and it's big time. It, it very well may be when you're watching Fox News or CNN or whatever. It very well be, be in those kind of slots where you're going to see our church's name in there because they're doing this thing on us uh, on the viewpoint. And I just think that's, it's kind of like God's little kiss going, hey, you were on the right track. You're doing the right thing. I'm going to bless you with this. I think that's, that's pretty, pretty outstanding and amazing. So it has been an amazing year in our church. 2022 was literally one of the best years we've ever had, and we've had great years. Um, well, we started fire nights last year, and they were fire. Come on. Yeah. We're going to keep that going because I just, I just love that idea and we were able to start that. Uh, we started a Rise Coaching and Counseling uh, last year. Pastor Tina, it's another one of her projects that she got up and going, and uh, I'm pleased to tell you that it is going well. It got started last year. It's like any type of like, organization like that, business inside the church that you would start. It starts slowly, but it has grown, and how many counselors do we have on the team now? Six counselors on the team. We've had dozens of people go through the counseling now. Uh, 58. See, she's, just, she's on top of it. 58 people have gone through counseling now, and we're just getting started because it's just getting underway. Things like the website and social media groups and all that was just started this year, and so very excited about what God's doing through coaching and counseling center at Arise. Um, <clears throat> I, I just kind of believe that we live in a world where people are running to counselors right now like crazy, especially young people. You know, when I was a teenager, I would have never went to a counselor, and if I did, I would have never told anybody, right? <laughs> I'd have been like, I was too proud for that. I'm too macho for that. But nowadays, like, you know, the teenagers and young adults are running to counselors. If you're going to run to a counselor, then my goodness, we need some Christian counselors to run to. That was kind of the thought behind this, and it's going very well. So thank you, Pastor Tina. Uh, we've also been working behind the scenes right now to uh, get the Wind Center going. And so I know a few people have asked about that, but we've been designing it, working behind the scenes. That is still moving forward. Uh, there's, no, there's no major hiccups. It's just nothing ever happens as fast as we want it to happen, especially when it comes to building. And so we are moving forward with that. Last year, we took missions trips, either our church or individuals in our church that we supported and worked with, to Costa Rica, Brazil, Colombia, India, and Nepal, all around the world. In fact, some of that's the direct missions that I mentioned before. We started the Arise Network last year, which is probably my favorite thing because of my, my personal calling and what I love to do. Uh, but through the Arise Network now, we are, are intricately involved in supporting one-on-one -on -one relationships with pastors uh, kind of around the world and growing, but predominantly in India to start. In fact, I can't even tell you because this is recorded where in India it is. Come ask me later. I can tell you, but uh, uh, because it's actually not, um, uh, we're not supposed to be there. And we're like, listen, we're sending the gospel there either way. And so the Arise Network is growing. It's doing well and making a huge impact and uh, still not to where we want it to be, but we're not going to despise the day of small beginnings. And so, yeah. So as a whole, Literally, as I started going across the board in our wins this year, in virtually every statistic and ministry area, our church grew in 2022. Come on, y'all. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Now, we're not perfect, man. We, we had some setbacks last year. You know, we had to cancel our men's retreat because of the hurricane. That was not me, by the way. That was the hurricane. That was the campsite. I would have had it in the hurricane. Because y'all know me, I'm a Florida boy. I ain't even scared of no hurricane. And then, like, ne like, it always happens. It was like the most beautiful weather in the world that weekend, too, because the hurricane comes through. And anyway, but it got canceled because of that. But we're not perfect by any means, but we are progressing. We're not perfect, but we are progressing. 
And I'm so pleased to tell you, as I have said repeatedly now over the years, and we're just watching it continue to grow and flourish, we are a beautiful New Testament church. Somebody say, what does a move of God look like? Look around. <laughs> look around, even in this service, and it gets more extreme in 11 o'clock, but even in this service, you have old people and young people. I'll let you classify which one you are. You have wealthy people and people with nothing. You have people of different ethnicities, people of different languages. I don't even know how many languages we have spoken in this church. It's crazy. People of different languages, ethnicities, people of different styles. There's always somebody that'll dress up in a suit and somebody else that's wearing flip-flops and shorts and looks like they're going directly to the beach afterwards. We have all of this incredible diversity in our church, yet we have unity inside the diversity. As, yeah, come on. That's not normal. That's not normal. In fact, uh, uh, one of my sons was at an event um, uh, this uh, past Christmas time at another church. And again, I don't want to compare churches. I'm just trying to explain this is not normal. And um, he went to this church at this Christmas time, and he came back, and I said, hey, how was the, the Christmas event at the church? He said, oh, it was good. He said, it was, it was kind of weird, though. He said, it was all white and mostly old. I'm like, well, son, that's actually normal. <laughs> What you've grown up in your whole life is not normal. <laughs> and so it is not normal what we are experiencing here. There's this tremendous unity. As far as I know, there are no major problems. There's no gossip. There's no ugliness. There's no infighting. And if there is, you better deal with it before it gets to me anyway. Come on, y'all. We don't play that game around here. You know, because there's unity amidst the diversity. It's literally where the word university comes from. There's unity amidst our diversity, and God bestows his blessing where there is unity. So what does a move of God look like? Just look around. Look around this room, and you see what a move of God looks like. We are creating the future. We are modeling the way. And I remember when I was, I was like um, probably 17 or so, and I was working at this, this company, and this older gentleman, he was old. He was probably 30. This older guy came to me and he said, uh, he said, son, I was probably 17. I was playing high school football and all that back in that era. And he came to me, he said, son, he said, I just want to tell you, you better enjoy these moments because these are going to be the best days of your life. So savor them. All these years later, that's a bunch of hogwash. Those days were okay. This is the best day of my life right now. This is the best moments of my life right now. If God's in the middle of what you're doing, you will never find a greater moment than where you are right now. God's doing, 2022 was amazing. 2021 was amazing. 2020 was even amazing amidst the chaos of 2020. And 2023 is going to be the greatest year we've ever had in our church history. There's a... What's become a famous line from The Office, the TV show, where Andy Bernard says, I wish there was a way to know you're in the good old days before, they've act before you've actually left them. Let me just remind all of you in this room, you are in the good old days right now. If the Lord tarries, there's probably a time that you're going to look back and think, oh, I remember that. I remember what God's doing in this church and what I'm a part of. And you miss it sometimes in the chaos and the, the, you know, the hecticness of our life. You're in it right now. And I pray that you stay in it for the long haul. So, I ask this question, same question I ask every year. Do we stay here and live in this, or do we move forward? <laughs> do we want to stop and live in it, live in the past, or move forward? Because there's always some people 
In some places, because you can tell, they stopped at some point and they started living in their past. The dude's 40 years old, still wearing his high school letterman's jacket. Come on. Still hitting on 17-year-old girls. Come on. Some people, they just get caught up in an era that was their good old days. They get caught up in it, and they, 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 they kind of never move on from that era. Some of y'all right now, you're like t- talking to each other like, I, he's talking about cousin so-and-so. Yeah. And they get caught. In, some churches do that, man. I'm thankful for the good old days. Some, some churches are like, man, I remember the days of sawdust on the floor and tent revivals and, and that preacher got up from out of town and he preached that word and, and Aunt Bertha, she was in a wheelchair, but God healed her and she stood right up in the middle of that word. She started praising God. She started running laps. We had Jericho marches and, 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 and all that. And, and, and I love that. I, I think we should celebrate our past. I'm not against our past, but some people stop living where they are and they start living in the past. In fact, I would argue with you that's probably when you get get old. That's not in my notes. If you start living more in the past than you are the present, you probably are starting to get old. If all of your stories you tell are about the past, not what's going to happen, you probably are starting to get old. Keep a vision before you. Keep a vision before you. And so, so some people get so caught up in the past. So, so, so I'm just going to say it, and I want us to come in agreement with it. Are you ready to move into 2023? Come on, I want everybody out of your mouth verbally. Are you ready to move into 2023? Yes. All right, let's get going. We're going to press in. We, we, we recognize that good is the enemy of great. And what is good one year can actually become an enemy the next year because you start to live in it. And so we want to receive even more and remain hungry and be more desperate for God than ever before. Listen, we have a vision that's really relatively simple. We just want to be a cr- place that allows others to experience God's presence. And we will not rest. We will not slow down until every person in this region has had the opportunity to experience God. Not experience church, not experience religion, not experience a nice building, not experiencing a nice worship team, not experiencing a a friendly, good teaching, but experience the presence of God in their midst because that's where life change happens. All the other stuff is good, but the presence of God is the catalyst for change in our lives. And that's who we are. We just want you to experience God in this place. That's our mission. We want to bring heaven to earth for the sake of those who need to experience God. All right. In 2023, just a couple things. Uh, hopefully, uh, the Wind Center should be up and getting started at some point in this year. And if the Lord tarries and if things go the way we plan them to go, we should be having a building getting going this year, which means a couple things. One, it means we're probably also going to be doing a capital campaign this year. We actually talked about it last year and it didn't work out, but this year, we'll probably be doing a capital campaign to pay for the Wind Center. Um, so keep that in the back of your mind as you move forward. Uh, we have our apologetics conference coming up again this year. That'll be our third annual. Yeah. Um, that's always exciting. And we have Dr. Braxton Hunter going to be with us. He's an outstanding apologist. Really excited about him. But I'm most excited because this is the first year we are having a kids apologetic conference simultaneously with the adult one. We have Dan Deering, who is a great young apologist, going to come in, and he's been a kids pastor for years. He's going to come in and, and take our, our, our uh, you know, youth, our, our, teen, our, our teens, our, our kids, uh, into another room and, uh, and do a kid's version of apologetics for them. And that's going to be powerful. I'm very excited about that. I don't even know anybody that's ever done that. I'm sure we're not the first, but I don't know any personally. And I just love, love, love that idea. Uh, this year, uh, this, this won't affect you as much, but I think you should know what's going on because we are committed to the church as a whole, not just 
our church. Uh, I think that's part of the way God has uniquely designed us. And uh, this year, um, we are having back with us uh, during the week, we're having Joe Dallas with us. You remember Joe Dallas from last year? And he's probably the leading expert across America in LGBTQ issues. And he's going to come in and speak to the local pastors. We're having like a sort of like a little miniature conference, an all-day thing where we're gathering all of the local pastors that will come in. And he's going to be able to present uh, his message to them and teaching to them of how to handle the LGBTQ issues. And we want to be a leading church in helping other churches handle this and and be able to speak uh, about this. So Joe Dallas will be here in that way. Uh, I think there's a good possibility that, that sometime this year this campus at Brandon uh, location that we go to three services, quite possibly at Easter. Praise God. Come on, that's church growth, y'all. <laughs> if you come to the nine o'clock consistently, you may not see it the same, but the 11 o'clock gets really packed a lot of times. And so uh, that's happening. I think it's quite possible that later this year as well, South Shore may go to two services. And so God is moving in South Shore. <clears throat> And so that is exciting stuff. And, and what, is God go, what is God going to do in 2023? Well, it's more of the same, which is good. It's more people experiencing God, more of God, more people experiencing an encounter with a literal, literal presence of God that, that leaves them changed forever. All right, with that being said, let me give you a 2023 theme. And I am seriously out of time, so I'm going to have to do this fast. I do have to run to South Shore this morning too, yeah. 2022 theme and discuss it for just a few moments with you this morning. And I think this is what some of you came for. This is the meat of the message as we kind of shift gears a little bit. And our theme for 2023 is this. Revival is now. Just for tonight. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could turn the clock back and go back to those moments that we turned God down when we had a chance? What if the key to experiencing the great earth-shaking awakening that we seek is actually in stewarding the small flames of revival within an individual's life? This is an hour that God is giving you another chance. If you really want to see revival the way we cry out for it, what does it take? Surrender over to the Holy Spirit, who will bring order out of chaos. All right, so let me talk for just a few moments on this subject, Revival is Now, and we're going to talk about it for a month, so don't miss any of them. It's going to be awesome throughout the rest of the month of January, but Revival is Now. I first want to say this, great things start small. In fact, it's, it's interesting that around America, inside the Christian world, since I can remember, there's a cry for revival. Some people crave it. Some people desire it. Some people want it with everything they have, but yet there's this, this, this crave for revival, and I have to wonder sometimes... If our craving for revival creates an image of what revival is supposed to be, which keeps us from stewarding the smaller version of revival that we actually receive. What if we've despised the seed of revival because we didn't recognize the potential of the seed because we're looking for something that we think is supposed to be greater? It's It's a type of lack of faith. 
Because throughout the Bible, there's this, there's this kind of concept of stewardship that's constant that you see from Genesis all the way to Revelation. That God gives us something, and if we steward it well, then he can multiply it and, and give more to you and bless it. But if you don't steward the little well, he'll never give you the big. See, great things start small and must be stewarded. In fact, uh, Jesus was teaching one time, Luke chapter 16, verse 10. I'm going to give you three verses kind of quickly. Jesus is teaching in Luke 16, and he says this, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. But whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you can be trusted with a small thing, then maybe you can be trusted with the large thing. But if you can't be trusted with a small thing, why would I ever give you the large thing? In about 500 BC, Zechariah is prophesying and he's talking about rebuilding the temple and, and prophesying about the temple. And in Zechariah 4.10, it says, do not despise these small beginnings. Frequently in the church, we say it this way, don't despise the day of small beginnings. I think that's the King James. Don't despise that. And then, and then this is kind of the main scripture that I want you to see, but, but all of these play into this. In 2 Timothy, Paul is writing to his young protege, Timothy, that he's raised up and planted and put in charge of a church. And he's writing to this young man, and he's writing to him his last letter, 2 Timothy. And in verse 1-6, he charges him this way. He said, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying of hands. Fan into flame the gift of God. Of God. In other words, there's a gift that's been given to you in a seed form, in a portion form, and it's not everything you want yet. I want this amazing gift, and it's not all that I want it to be yet, but it's still there. And your job is actually to fan it so that it grows and becomes what you want it to be, so that you steward the little so that it can become much. This is a principle of life, and when we steward things well from the start, it's incredible what can be done. I saw a meme the other day that said this, and I thought it was, I thought it was just, just so profound. In 66 years, it went from the Wright brothers to putting a man on the moon. Vanessa, can we get that screen ahead back there? Um, and only 66 years separates these two photos. Isn't that crazy? That's a lifetime. 66 years. People lived in both of those. 66 years. Why? Because the Wright brothers discovered something. That had always been there, but, the, but they discovered something. And engineers and scientists worked together to steward that discovery. And before you know it, in 66 years, we're putting a man on the moon. And there's always some of you who's like, no, we didn't. Yeah, we did. Come on, get all your crazy. <laughs> See, great things start small, and then they have to be stewarded. You don't, you don't, what, what if Usain Bolt, the fastest man on the planet, I guess he still is. He's crazy fast. His last name is Bolt. Come on. That's like not even fair. Usain Bolt, run that 100 meters so fast. Usain Bolt, what if when he was a toddler and he started walking, mom and dad were like, like why are you falling down all the time? You're supposed to be fast. I, I, I have genetically engineered the fastest man on the planet with your father. Our last name is Bolt for crying out loud. Why are you falling down all the time? Why are you stumbling around? What if they had said it like that? Of course not. Of course not. They might have had a vision because I'm sure they were involved in track and field. They might have had a vision for his future, but at that point, he's still stumbling around. But make no mistake, it's the same young man that as he grows would develop muscles, as he stewards the gifting that God had put in him, would become the fastest man on the planet. See, if you're going to run, you got to walk first. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. This is a principle throughout the Bible. It's a principle throughout the church. 
The Israelites started, the whole nation started with one old couple who were too old to have children. David started as a shepherd boy. Jesus started as a baby in a manger. Yet he had a grand mission for his life, a mission that his mother knew. Can you imagine Mary holding baby Jesus and going, you're supposed to be the Messiah? You can't even feed yourself yet. You can't even walk. I got to carry you. Why? Because the Messiah came in the form of a child whose life had to be stewarded as he became who God had called him to become. He had to fan into flame, so to speak, the small fire to become the large fire. And this is that principle you see throughout the Bible and Christianity. Christianity started with 12 disciples, one of whom committed treason, but they grew. The church started with 120 people in an upper room, but it grew. Come on, Brandon Assembly of God started on 126 Ruby Street, just like a mile from here, with a handful of people in a prayer meeting saying, I believe that God's going to start something here. They can't see that over a thousand people are getting saved many years from now, but they said, if we just steward this thing God's doing right here, maybe there's something big on the other side. Are y'all with me this morning? <coughs> see, sometimes we, we miss what God's doing because it starts so small, we don't recognize what it's going to be, and we actually despise it. Sometimes when, God, sometimes when we pray for a tree, God gives us an acorn. And the acorn doesn't look anything like a tree. And we despise the acorn, not recognizing that the potential of the acorn is the very thing that you're praying for. So don't despise the day of small beginnings. See, 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 see it may not be the giant inferno that you're looking for quite yet. That may not be it yet. But a match can start it all. A match can get it going. Can I get this going? A match can get it going. One match, as Smokey Bear used to remind us back in the day, only you can prevent forest fires because one match can start an entire forest fire. Don't despise the little match for the inferno that God wants to, because you're looking for an inferno. Smokey the Bear used to teach us that because a spark can light a match and a match can light a fire and a fire can create an entire inferno. And we're all praying, God, send the fire. And God's going, I already sent a spark. Can you steward the spark? God, send the fire of God. Send the fire. God, send the fire. Yeah, yeah, I've already sent a match. Can you steward the match to prove that you can handle the fire? Because if I send the fire and you can't steward it, it's going to consume you too. At that point, it's not healthy. And sometimes we miss the very thing that's right in front of us because we think it's supposed to look like this and it actually looks like this. We think it's supposed to be a tree, but it looks like an acorn. This wouldn't be the first time it happened. In fact, in fact, the Jewish religious leaders, the Pharisees and Sadducees and, and, and Zealots, the, the Jewish religious leaders were praying earnestly for the Messiah. They were not faking it. They needed a Messiah. They needed a Redeemer. They prayed earnestly for the Messiah. And then when the Messiah shows up, they crucify him because they don't recognize him. He doesn't look like what they think he's supposed to look like. One of the problems when we talk about revival is we have an image of what it's supposed to look like. So when God sends it, we crucify it. We got to be so cautious, so cautious of that we got to be careful not to despise the move of God because it always, doesn't always come packaged in a fully mature delivery. And this is a general principle you see throughout the, fire, throughout the Bible, throughout history, throughout time. See, revival is now. Don't despise it because it's not fully mature. Revival is now. 
And sometimes, sometimes it's the very factor or the idea of crying out for this image of what you think it's supposed to be that prevents you from experiencing it because you can't celebrate what you have here and steward what you have here because we're living in a land of what we think it's supposed to be over there. Does that make sense? See, recognizing that we are in revival does not take away from the expectancy of a greater revival. Sometimes I've heard some pushback from this from other people I've talked to over the years. Well, 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 you're not really in revival. Now, listen, listen, it's not what we want it to be yet. Don't make no mistake. I'm looking for a great awakening to happen around this world that's so much bigger than a rise. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for the day that shadows heal people as they start walking down to the front. I'm, I'm expecting great things. Don't get me wrong. I am by no means despising this, what revival can be. That's not it. It's about stewarding and recognizing we are in revival now. Revival's not just the past. It's not just for the history books. It's not just in the black and white pictures. And it's not just in the good old days, and the sweet by and by in the future. It's not just over there. Revival is now. And if we steward what God is doing now, maybe we can experience what God wants to send us on the other side of now. Maybe the secret to the revival that God is doing in us, at least, is actually stewarding the smaller version of revival that he's sending now. Come on. What, what, is, what is 2022 and prior in our church? I think of it this way. It's, a, it's setting an expectation for the future and what God can do. Sometimes we'll be cooking. Ada will be cooking something. She makes shepherd's pie or whatever in the, in the oven. Oh, come on. I love shepherd's pie. I'm with you, Jackie. She'll be making shepherd's pie in the oven, and you can start smelling it. I'll be upstairs and I can still smell the shepherd's pie downstairs. And I haven't actually had any of the shepherd's pie, but I know what it tastes like because I've had it in the past. And I start smelling it. And it creates this expectation of what's going to come. Listen, 2022 was just a smell of creating expectation of the glory that's going to come. Paul said in Philippians that he is confident that he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion. What God started, he is going to keep moving forward if we steward it properly, if we handle it properly. And there's a big difference between fanning a flame and blowing out a flame. Too often in the church world, we blow out flames because it doesn't look like what we expect it to look like. And so we say things like, oh, that's, that, that's heretical. Oh, that, that's, you're just fanatical. You're just frenzied. You're just overly zealous. You're just hyper. You're just hysterical. You're just out of control. You're just plain old weird. We've we've gotten too unweird in the church. You need to be a little bit more weird in the church. Come on. Listen, every revival creates a new reason for religious people to be offended. Say that again for the people in the back. Every revival creates a new reason for religious people to become offended. People called the, the critics called the Great Awakening the Great Clamor. <laughs> when they talked about Azusa Street, they called it outrageous and unorthodox. They said it's, it's weird babble. They said it's strange. They said these are a bunch of holy rollers. Every revival has its critics because the critics think revival is supposed to look a certain way and they don't recognize it till it's passed. I'm telling you, revival is now. It's not everything we want it to be yet, but it's here. God is moving. We are a move of God. Revival is now. It's not just something for the future. It is now. So don't you dare say things to people like, oh, you'll lose your excitement uh, in a couple months. No, that's not, that's not fanning the flame. That's blowing out the flame. You'll eventually grow out of this. Now, I hope they never grow out of this. 
Or, or the dreaded, well, I don't see that in the Bible. Listen, you ain't going to see everything in the Bible that happens in reality in our lives. So, 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 so how, are you, how are you breathing on things? Are you fanning the flame of revival in our church and in your life? Or are you blowing out the flame of revival? How are you using your breath? We sing that song, it's your breath in our lungs. How are you using his breath in your lungs? Are you blowing out a flame or are you fanning a flame? Because we need to feed the fire of revival in our lives. Listen, we start this church fast tomorrow. You can fast however you would like. You don't have to fast in a certain way. You can fast one meal a day. You can do a total fast. You can do a Daniel fast. There's booklets out there. But come together and fast in unity, believing that we're fanning a flame of revival in our church. We're not satisfied with what has been, but yet we are not despising what has been either. We are in revival. Revival is now. Revival is now. Let me give you three little terms real fast, and I'm going to wrap up because i got to run. I'm already late. <coughs> I believe that 2023 is going to be the greatest year we ever have in our church. I really believe that. I really believe that. As we come together in unity and steward, recognize and steward what God has been doing. There, there's three terms that get used in the revival kind of genre. The first one is renewal. Renewal generally means like a person experiencing a revival. It's they're renewed themselves. And then you get the term revival. And that usually refers to a church in revival or a a body, a group of people in revival. And then you get the term awakening, which is when revival happens to a region or a larger area, Tampa Bay region or the whole United States or what happened. Like the great awakening affected all of the United States at that time period, which wasn't United States, but the colonies at that time period. And so so it affects a region. And you you get those three terms but I just want to say sometimes they lead to one another. I'll tell you one quick story. We're going to wrap up. A long time ago, when I was young, I, I, I'm not even sure if Ada and I were dating yet. We might have been dating or we might have not even been dating. I was young. And we went to a conference. T.D. Jakes, still my favorite preacher. T.D. Jakes, uh, Manpower Conference in Birmingham, Alabama. We drive all the way up there. And uh, our worship pastor at the time is having a birthday. And he was old. He was turning 40. <laughs> and he's having a birthday. And so we had this idea. Uh, I think it was my idea, really. The other three of us, we said, we need to do something for his birthday because it's his birthday while we're here. Let's go get a cake. But we don't need a big cake because it's only four of us. And so we went to like Publix or wherever, got one of those little cakes. It was like probably four inches by six inches, you know, those little tiny cakes. Got one of those little tiny cakes. But then I had this idea. I said, let's be funny with it. Let's put 40 candles on this cake. So we put... Not, I mean, I don't mean not like four. Oh, I mean 40 little candles on top of this cake. It filled up the entire cake, as you can imagine. So we get outside of the hotel room, about to walk into the hotel room. We get outside and we start to, to light the candles because we're going to walk in singing happy birthday, right? So, so we start lighting the candles. And somewhere in the process of lighting the first five, six candles, they started catching each other on fire because they were so close together that they would catch each other on fire. And so then they're all coming on fire. So we we kick open the door of the hotel room and walk, happy birthday to you. And somewhere in that process, I've never seen this happen. I don't know the science behind it. But all of the candles actually came together and made one giant flame. I don't know how that works, but I promise you it happened. So it made one flame. This is a little cake like this with a flame like a foot high off the top of it. And so the flame is like, wait, and I'm holding this little cake in a hotel room like, the smoke alarm starts going off because it's billowing smoke at this point. Thank God that the, like the rain, the, the water sprinkler system didn't go off, but the, the smoke alarm starts going off. And so we're like, happy birthday. Ah, 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 ah. 
run back outside and we're trying to blow out this candle. The entire wax from all the candles, because it got so hot because of the giant flame, it all melted so it's one pile of wax on top of the cake. So that when you pull off the, when you pull off the, 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 the top of the cake, it literally pulled off the entire top of the cake because it's just wax across the entire top of the cake. It was a crazy experience, crazy experience. All right, y'all with me? I tell they had lesson learned. <laughs> Don't try to put 40 candles on a little cake. I tell that story to say this. Renewal. One candle, one light, one of you get on fire for God. One of you just get hungry for God. That blends into another one and another one and another one. And before you know it, you have this thing called a remnant. And that remnant starts to come ablaze. And when you get in contact with a remnant, it starts to set everybody on fire around the... Come on, stand up with me around the room. Starts to set everybody on fire who's a part of this remnant. And all of a sudden, one flame, all the 40 flames turn into one flame. That's called unity. That's called unity of the Spirit. All the diversity around the room. In fact, all those candles melted together. It's unity that we come together. And I don't care what color your skin is. I don't care your background. I don't care what language you speak. I care about Jesus. And I'm on fire for Him. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, would you consider subscribing? If you were moved by this message, we would love to hear your testimony. Please email it to amen at myarisechurch.com. I pray you leave here feeling encouraged and inspired. We'll see you next time.